0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Learning Rebels Live where we talk with fascinating people about their journey into learning and development. And today we have with us Don Becker. And Don was with us for our last. Learn Something New Wednesday. And Don walked us all through gamification, but not just gamification per se, but the theory, the method, the game mechanics, all of the important bits that we all forget about when we're putting games together, right? Because it's super simple just to throw up that Jeopardy board and call call it a game. So you walked us through all of that and it was really great having you. So I had to... Learn more about your journey, and I'm excited to have you here with us today.
1: Oh, thank you! It's a pleasure to be here. I'm super duper excited to uh, to be able to share my journey. It's it's been a very long and winding road, <laughs> but it's it's been awesome, and I wouldn't trade it for anything.
0: We need to have the Beatles song, you know, yeah, right? on loop in the background, <laughs> right? Well, Don, currently you're the L D leader slash instructional designer for American National. But go ahead and give us a little bit of insight as to what you do right now, if you want to give us a little fuller introduction.
1: Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. So currently right now, uh, my official title is Lead Learning Development Specialist at American National. And my primary things that I focus on is I do uh, e-learning development, uh, instructional design for the organization. I also facilitate leadership development as well. So that's one of the big pieces of what I work on. I also am the uh, program manager for our Enterprise Internship Program. Wow. So I wear a number of hats at the organization, but it's fun. It's always something new today, You know, always something new.
0: Well, I think that that's reflective, isn't it? That's reflective of your personal journey or professional journey. Rather, it's a lot of different hats doing a lot of different things. And I know on your LinkedIn page, you also mentioned that internship program. And I suspect, having looked at some of your background, that the internship program that you are leading is a bit of a passion project.
1: It really is. You know, with just how much I've done in my lifetime in regards to education and learning in not only corporate, but also in academia as well, one of my favorite things is developing young talents. When this opportunity to to run the internship program came, I dove headfirst into it, and it's just been it, it has been a huge passion project and we've definitely been reaping, the organization has been reaping the rewards of that. We retained uh, nearly 40% of our interns from last year. And in the two years that I've run it, we've doubled then almost doubled again, the number of interns that we've, uh, that we have brought in.
0: That's amazing. So help me understand in your past life, in that long and winding road that you took to get to where you are today, how did that manifest itself? So clearly, you know, you didn't just pop up and say, oh, I want to be an L&D professional someday. And Ooh, oh, by the way, I want to lead an internship program. You know, nobody comes out of the egg, you know, having that sort of thought. So how did you get there from here?
1: I do have to say that on my kindergarten first day sheet, I did say, you know, what I want to be when I grow up. I did say L&D leader. So, I mean... <laughs> Hashtag mission accomplished. <laughs> okay, <laughs> a
0: very informed kindergartner. <laughs> That's
1: what I do, right? <laughs> do
0: you have learning objectives for your play doh?
1: I did. I did. See? Sorted yeah, in yeah. by colors and then by shapes and sizes. You know the right way. I see you. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, my journey was really one that I never expected. I, for most of my childhood, my goal was I wanted to be a district attorney. Yeah, I wanted to put away the bad guys. I wanted to be a lawyer. I already had, you know, I want to go to this college and go to this law school. And, you know, when my friends were watching, you know, cartoons and things like that, I was watching the People's Court and Superior Court uh, and during my summer vacations. And my dad just was baffled. He's like, why aren't you watching something else? I was like, cause I like it. And so that was always something that fascinated me. And first job when I got, when I was 16, is I worked at Eckerd Drugs as a, as a pharmacy technician. And I was just good at my job. And you know, this was back in the times before when all you had to do was be know how to use a computer. I was good on computers. And so they they hired me. And so I started working at Eckerd Drugs. At 18, the district manager came to me and says, you know what, you do a really, really good job. You're really familiar with this. I want you to be a district trainer for us and show other pharmacies how to do some of the stuff that you do. It's like, cool. And that's how kind of how that played out. And I did that for a number of years, got my bachelor's degree. and
0: So where was was the shift in your head where you went, okay, not so much Judge Judy, but
1: corporate training? It was the absolute epic failure to get into law school.
0: Oh, okay.
1: It was, you know, I applied, took all the tests, but I could never get into law school and it was very frustrating. It was a really big crossroads in my life. I was very, I was really frustrated. I was sad. I'm like, I'm getting my degree. I've got this experience. You know, I want to be able to do this. But no one will take me. And it was very disheartening. And so I'm like, okay, well, what next? What can I do? You know, I'm I'm now twenty-eight and having been, you know, failed in my fourth consecutive attempt at trying to get into law school, what do I do now? And so I was sitting there at work and I actually cold called every community college in Houston to say, Hey, do you have any positions available for in the pharmacy technician program as an adjunct professor? Anything like that. And after six no's, I finally got someone that said, well, actually, our person supposed to teach this class, got tuberculosis and can't teach this semester. Are you available? This was Thursday afternoon. And I'm like, yes, I am. When's the class start? He says, Saturday morning at 8 a.m.
0: Oh, my and I'm gosh. Like,
1: Get me a book and I'll be there. And I did taught that class. And then at the end of that semester, the the director came to me and he's like, I just want to let you know that I am leaving my wife got this job in St. Louis, and so we're moving. And I recommended you to take over for my position for when I leave. So I went from utterless to now I'm a college professor running a program, and then just the whole educational journey just took on from there. It was nothing; it was never anything I had even planned.
0: Mm-hmm. That's amazing. There's so much to unpack there, <laughs> you know, with with that particular story because I think that we have all been in those shoes not necessarily to where you were at but we've we've all had that experience of something that we planned didn't quite work out the way that we thought that that it would right and it took some ingenuity to say okay maybe not this path but this path right and you picking up the phone and having the gumption the cold (laughs) call community colleges Dude, where did that come from?
1: It's this little voice in the back of my head. I you know, it drive ambition whatever you want to call it, but it was, you know, I looked at myself and I'm like, I'm doing the same job I was doing at 16 years old, at 18 years old, and I'm 28 now. What are you doing with your life? You need to push yourself. You're destined for more than this. You need to go farther, push yourself, build your skills and and that's what I did. I'm like, okay, well, what can I do with the skill set that I have right now? And I took that opportunity that I did at K-12. I was really, at that point in time, I was really kind of wanting to move away from pharmacy anyways, because I'm like, I'm at a glass ceiling. There's nothing else mm-hmm. I can do here with, mm-hmm. without being a pharmacist. What's the next step of my life? And so then I, after moving into higher ed, personal issues, I had a, uh, my oldest child was born uh, eight weeks premature. Uh, and then my second one, my ex wife, well, wife at the time, she was uh, started experiencing preterm labor symptoms at about 24 weeks, and was put on bed rest. And I'm like, okay, I'm working 60 hours a week, driving 45 minutes away. This is, I need to be closer to home. Mm-hmm. That's when I made the made the pivot into teaching eighth grade science, and you know, I fell in love with it. I loved it, which led me to the opportunity to go back into higher ed, getting my master's degree, then going back into higher ed, and teaching there, being an instructional technology coordinator at a at a local community college. And then transitioning to my own business, then transitioning to where I'm at right now. It's
0: Wow. It has been a long and winding road, hasn't it?
1: Ridiculous highs and gut-punching lows all throughout the thing. But I think the biggest lesson that I was able to learn it at really at every one of the stops was, to, it was patience and perseverance. Mm-hmm. You know, drive keeps pushing me. I want to keep growing. I want to keep getting better. And how do I do that? How can I continue to develop my skills? How can I learn something new? How can I continue to be better at whatever I want to be?
0: So what made you make the uh, move from higher ed into corporate learning? So was there a pivot point there?
1: (laughs) Actually, yes, there was. I said I was working as an instructional technology coordinator. It was Mm -hmm. a grant-funded position, and I was super-duper excited because they told me, it's like, this grant, we've got about 18 months left on the grant, then we're going to renew it, and it's something that's going to be, it's been renewed a number of times. It'll continue to be renewed. And they're like, we need you to come in, but understand it's grant funded. I'm like, that's no problem. I'm going to kill it and it's going to be awesome. I actually went employee of the year. Okay. Uh, After my, after my first year there, I went employee of the year for the work that I had done there. And then three months later, I was out of a job because the grant was surprisingly not renewed.
0: Oh, okay.
1: The university was shocked. They're like, we don't know how this happened. And so they tried to find other things to try to make me like the webmaster and other things like that. I'm like, this is just not my skill set, you know? (laughs) And so- Then now I'm sitting here jobless, two kids to to raise by myself. And it's like, okay, well, what do I do next? And that's when I kind of said, all right, well, let's venture out on my own. Let's gamble on myself and, and started really kind of pushing my, my own, my own business, my science time consulting business that I created and push that. And I got to a point where I was. When I do something, I'm all in 100%. I think as as you have pretty much guessed. I right have.
0: Now. I've I've experienced that.
1: So I am all in and at the highest point of what I was working with my business, I was probably putting in about 100-hour weeks. And wow. with uh, with two kids, you know, trying to raise two kids and trying to and failing at having a partner, it didn't work. I needed to find a balance again in my life. And honestly, American National came calling at the absolute right time. It's a funny story. Uh, they reached out to me on LinkedIn, and I got so I got a message from one of the recruiters, actually a really a pretty good friend of mine now. She reached out to me and said, you know, said, "Hi, you know, we've got this open position. We see your skill set, you know, on LinkedIn. It's like yeah, I think you'd be a really good fit for it." And I popped up the message and I'm like, oh, "That's total spam mail. I'm not even gonna look at this, right?" So two days later, I went back and looked at it again, and I'm like, "I don't want to sell insurance. That's stupid. Why am I even looking at this? Close it again." I don't know why again, but another two days later, I opened the message up for a third time and actually read the message. And I'm like, is this even a real company? Cause I'd never heard of the American national before. Right. And I'm like, oh, it's a real company. Oh, it's based in Galveston. Oh, it's been around for a hundred plus years. Oh, okay. So it's a real thing. And then I started reading like the job description. I'm like, oh wow. So this is kind of what I do right now with a lot less stress. I'll take a look at it. <laughs> yes, please. And so that's what I ended up doing. I, you know, applied for the position, and you know, blessings of all blessings, I got the job. And then I kind of then scaled down. I didn't officially close out science time. You know, I just kind of scaled it down to it's like I'm the only one there now, right? And and started working at American National. And so that's that's kind of again serendipitous that things happened the way that they did. Never planned on going into corporate learning. Uh, it was a big adjustment for me. Uh, from moving from academia back into back into corporate, but I kind of that transition was already happening when I was running th- when I was doing science time anyway. So
0: wow, okay, and I think anyone you know who operates their own business, like myself, many of you who who may be listening, can relate to that particular pain point, right? You're putting in a lot of hours, you're tired. Fortunately for me, I didn't start the business until after my kids were already grown. So I didn't have to deal with those additional pressures. So kudos to you for making it work. But also, I think that there's big kudos to realize that your work-life balance was out of whack.
1: Yeah. I wasn't the dad that I had been beforehand or the dad that I wanted to be. And it just began to feel dirty after a while. I'm like, this Why am I working like this when I'm not doing the things that I want to do with the people that are most important to me? So
0: I love that a lot. Okay. So now fast forward, we've made the transition. We're there. And so what made you think about all of the different hats that you wear? Right. So, and I think again, a lot of learning and development professionals wear a lot of hats within their organization. You know, I think gone are the days. I remember way back when, without giving away my age, way back when you used to be able to have a team and one person was an instructional designer and the other person put the manuals together and you know, you had all of these siloed positions and now it's not that way anymore, you know? So you're wearing all of these different hats. Now, did there come a point in time where you said, all right, now is the time to take this organization to a different level. So you come in, and most likely they had some sort of foundational training programs or learning and development programs. And so at what point did you look at that and go, all right, we can do better, and this is how?
1: I think it came, it was actually my second month that I was working there. It was really almost the beginning of the start of the second month. Uh, At the time, a large percentage of my role was expected to be the facilitation, the, the leadership development piece. There was almost no instructional design piece. Uh, they were buying their learning from other entities, uh, or not even having it at all. Uh, it was probably my second month of work. I was working with a subject matter expert, and they wanted to make a video over some content. Say, so like, yeah, we'll make this video, and then i we'll have a bunch of uh, a bunch of face-to-face, uh, you know, meetings, and I can go into details about all of it. And I'm like why don't I just create an e-learning course and you don't have to meet with them. You can put all of what you need to do right there. And they looked at me like I was speaking Aramaic and it's like, you can do that? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I can. <laughs> and I did. And I showed it to them and they were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is going to save us so much time. And then they told somebody else, who then told somebody else, who then told somebody else. And then within a couple of months, we were getting a lot of demands for my time to be able to build e-learning courses, and which then allowed us to kind of pivot a little bit more to do more than that. And that was where the ball got rolling. It really got intense, honestly, when COVID hit.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that was a turning point for a lot of L&D professionals. Exactly. It really did force people to think differently about what they do and how
1: they do it. It did. I I agree. I think it really gave a a brand new perspective for the work that we do and the the capacity that we have to really drive the organization farther than they had even expected it. Our leadership development were four-hour face-to-face classes and we have regional locations scattered all around the country in, in missouri new york and in texas and so we would have to fly to these different locations to conduct these sessions and so just the overhead cost of hotel and car rental and and that is just it got to be pretty expensive when COVID hit and we couldn't travel anymore i came to my to my boss and i said hey i used to do this setup in when i was teaching in the school we did hybrid learning where i would have the kids at home, they would take their notes, prep, and then when they came into class the next day, we would do lab then. We could do the exact same thing here with a web-based training to get all the theory and then a webinar skill practice uh, where they can apply the things that they learned in the web-based training. And she loved the idea. She's also a former teacher, so she kind of understood the, the foundation of what I was talking about. And so then I went off and I built all 10 of our, of our leadership development curriculum and, and transformed them into hybrid learning. So built 10 web-based trainings and, and it has been an absolute huge success for our organization. They, you know, our leaders love the ability to be able to do the learning on their own pace, and then attend a webinar where it's just 75 minutes, skill practice, in out done, and they're ready to go.
0: When you think about, you know, why is it that we're going to bring people together? And if you're going to bring people together,
1: remotely
0: or live or what have you, you've got to have a really good reason nowadays to do it.
1: We have so much, so little free time right now that it has to be purposeful for whatever we're doing. And Mm -hmm. this really, it allows collaboration, not only within like one location, but throughout the entire country. We've got people that, I mean, even I taught a session this morning and I had people that were based in New York, Missouri, Illinois, California, and Texas.
0: And right. And that's the beauty of it all. I'm really curious though. So if we're thinking about your professional journey, right, we're thinking about that long and widening road. You've got the failed law school. You've got the pharmaceutical tech. You've got yourself cold calling community colleges to see whether or not they've got an adjunct position open. Middle school science, higher ed, all the way now to insurance. So tell me, what did that journey really show you? So when when you think about putting all of those puzzle pieces together that create Don Becker, what in that journey really makes you the brilliant mind for gamification and all other hats that you have today?
1: Wow, that's a really great question. It's just this innate drive that I have to be better today than I was yesterday and to be better tomorrow than I am today,
0: mm-hmm. and if
1: that's developing my my soft skills, my my professional skills, my personal skills, my technical skills, you know whatever it may be, but that's at the end of the day, every stop along my road has given me a skill set or of something that I've been able to learn and can then apply in the next spot, and then learn my skills there and apply it in the next spot. Or it's take that skill and put it in my pocket until three stops down the road when I say, oh, I was able to do this. Let me bring this back and do that. But I think ultimately at the end of the day, when I look at at my journey, it really is just it's about growth and development and just every day trying to be better than I was yesterday.
0: That's awesome. Does that journey also help you tackle the moments of self-doubt that you may have?
1: Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Because I know there have been, I can't catch, I mean, being laid off, you know, you know, resigning, there have been plenty of gut punching lows, right? I guess I referenced earlier, but what helps me to get past that is knowing there's a reason for everything. There's a reason why is because the next opportunity is going to have a chance where I can take these skills and do something and do something better with it than I was doing right now. And sometimes it's hard, not going to lie. Sometimes there were, there were real challenges in there. But I had to keep that positive mental attitude because if I didn't, I was just going to go into a a really bad mental health place. that was not going to be good, I got two kids, you know, two kids that I'm raising by myself. I I can't, I can't let them see that I'm going to quit.
0: But it's okay to let them see you. It's okay
1: to let them see me fail, but it's not okay to let them see me quit.
0: I love it. I love that. And I asked that question in particular because I know that there are a lot of People within the industry, within the LD industry, you may be listening now, and thank you if you are, that you might be new or newer to the industry or perhaps you're a teacher like you and transitioning into the industry who may have those feelings of, God, what am I doing here? I have no idea what I'm doing here, and I don't know if I'm going to get any better at it. I don't know if I am making a negative impact. I'm sure that they all had those feelings or have those feelings now or at some time. I know I did. You know, and so what would you say?
1: The best advice that I can give anyone, you know, transitioning teacher, new in the industry, whatever it may be, is believe in yourself and never stop growing. That's how you get to be better. That's how you get to the places that you want to get to is. When you go in an interview and it doesn't work out, ask. Say, all right, you know, what can I do better? What skills do I need to develop? So that way, next time, I am going to be the best fit. Find out what those skills are, where those gaps are, and try to fill in those gaps. There are so many different free development opportunities that are available that it's almost criminal not to develop those skills. I mean, I'm attending one tomorrow, even. And believe in yourself and don't give up. That's it.
0: Right. And I love that. It's about investing in yourself, isn't it? And especially as you're making those transitions, as you're going through your professional journey, it's what have we unpacked from the road we left behind and repacked for the journey that's still ahead of us?
1: I mean, that's exactly it. It's, it's, it's a very constructivist attitude, right? So we can go into a little bit of a, a little bit of learning theory. It's all very constructivist. Our, that's what our lives are, is one building block helps us to go to the next block, to the next block, and build on the next block, to build the house that is us. You learn something at every stuff that you go to in your life. And so I really believe that.
0: I just, I had to jump onto this point real quick. Is that how you found yourself learning and expanding upon gamification?
1: That's kind of how it started, right? I, it was something that I remember as a kid, I loved playing video games. I loved playing any kind of game, not just video games, you know, games outside, whatever it may be. I loved creating them. And the question I always wondered to myself and never knowing that I was thinking about gamification all the way back when I was like eight, nine, 10 years old. But you know, sometimes you'd say it's like, why am I doing this? Why am I having fun doing this? God, this is so dumb, but why am I having fun doing that? And it's those same questions that you don't think about it because it's just kind of hidden in the back of your mind. And then you begin to have other conversations like, oh yeah, why is that? And I'm epically curious. And so I want to know, it's like, oh, why is that? Well, let me find out why. And somebody sent me a message on LinkedIn the other day, and it was absolutely a fantastic thing. And it really helped inspire me a little bit more, even even now, It just says, great people know great people. And it was at the point in time, it's like, I'm looking at growing, I'm looking at growing. And I had two people that mentored me into helping to guide me. It's like, oh, you want to know why? Here's the path to help answer that question. I always want to call them out because they are two of the most influential people in my life. Dr. Brenda Weiser, Dr. Jana Willis. I absolutely adore them. They are two of the most influential people in my life because they really helped me to answer some of those why questions that I've had my whole life.
0: That's fabulous. Well, thank you for calling them out. They appreciate it. Just one last question before I get to closing up is out of the games. You focus on gamification and that's where you're, uh, like I said, you're learning something new, you know, with us. And that was just so informational. Thank you for sharing, sharing all of that with us. It was, it was great. I got a lot of positive comments, still getting emails about it. Now, what's your favorite type of game or do you have a favorite game? that you've created for your organization.
1: So my favorite game that I've created for my organization, it's called developing a leader mindset. Okay. And it's a choose your own adventure wrapped in with a kind of a legend of Zelda quest hero's quest type of type of game. So it's so funny. It's so dumb, but it cracks me up every time I think about it. It starts out, it's like a leader's dejected because he left a meeting and it had a bad taste in his mouth. And then all of a sudden, you know, he gets whipped up in this tornado and is dropped down into an office. He doesn't recognize. He's like, what's going on here? I don't know where I'm at. It's like, I see that I'm in my office building somewhere, but how do I get out? The door's locked. And there's different hotspots within within that that office that takes them on different quests to learn about each of the different types of mindsets. There's little Easter eggs in there. There's little hidden things that, you know, that are built in there. And once they learn about each mindset, then they once they've gathered the full leader mindset mentality, then a key magically comes from the air and
0: like an escape room for exactly, leaders. Like an
1: escape room, Zelda, quest, nice. you know, things like that. And it allows them to get out and then they can then begin to uh, to practice leadership. So that's that's my favorite game that I've built for the organization. I have to say like personally like playing games and my son is going to laugh at me when I say this, but games that I like to play right now are actually like FIFA, I have a soccer manager game I like to play because I love the developing piece of the game. I play as a manager career <laughs> mode. I always focus on like building up my young talent and building them up like that and so so
0: Ted Lasso is on your binge Very list. Very much so.
1: We, we watched it all as a family, <laughs> completed it, tears and everything. And so, yeah,
0: that's fabulous. Okay. So now we're going to close this up and I don't know if you remember, sometimes I date myself with some references and I'm going to try here. The late James Lipton used to end the actor studio with the Proust questionnaire. Uh, yes. And he would give these impromptu questions to the actors that would visit his show. So I have developed one in learning rebel style. I'm not gonna steal from Mr. Lipton or Mr. Proust. And we're going to go through this and just give me the answers that just pop into your head. I have 10 of them. Are you ready? Do you have the big
1: index cards or no?
0: I do, I do. I've got, you would think I should, right? I've got a piece of paper right here that I keep them on. (laughs) (laughs) But just sticky notes on my screen. All right, okay. Are you ready? ready? Let's do it. All right, so let's do this. All right, so when you think about all of the ways that you can develop content—be they blogs, or podcasts, or videos, or e-learning—what is your favorite content
1: development tool? Uh, my favorite content development tool is—I love Storyline. I love Storyline. Just yeah, Storyline. Just because I can—I can literally build anything under the sun that I want to. So.
0: Okay. So, which is your least favorite?
1: My least favorite. I apologize.
0: You don't have to name names, but just tell me what type it is.
1: (laughs) I apologize, Adobe lovers, but 95% (laughs) of the Adobe suite, I think is just, for me, is just overly complicated and really difficult to navigate and not very user-friendly. All right. So
0: what's, that's okay. What is the skill that every L and D professional needs to have? Collaboration. What skill is overrated?
1: Graphic design.
0: What profession other than your own, would you like to attempt? Soccer coach. What profession would you not like to do?
1: Oh, actually, can I take it back? I want to I want to take back. soccer coach. Professional chef.
0: Ooh. Okay. There's a whole other learning rebels live there. (laughs) All right. So what profession would you not like? What profession
1: would I not like to do? K-12 principal.
0: Oh, ouch. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Who is your favorite superhero?
1: Oh, my favorite superhero. That's a great question. (sighs) Ah, I'll go with a. It's a tie, actually. It's a tie between uh, Thor, Captain America, and Black Widow.
0: <laughs> okay, we got it. we got a three way tie. Okay, so which one is at the bottom of the list of those
1: three? Your least probably favorite. Probably Black Widow. No. Oh. oh the,
0: no, your least favorite. Oh, my favorite. least
1: favorite superhero. Batman. Batman.
0: Okay. <laughs> what makes you laugh? My kids. And in a perfect world. What L and D practice would you change?
1: The biggest practice that I would change would be to eliminate the the idea of master of none that has that has evolved. Kind of what you mentioned earlier. You know, I, I am a we're a jack of all trades, but a master of none at this point in time. Um, and I think to really push learning and push what we can do forward, there needs to be. The time and the capacity to be able to to push our skills and develop uh, even more, and when we have to wear a thousand different hats, that makes it it makes it a challenge. So develop one skill. Yeah, you know, you know, push yourself. You know, focus on you know, instructional design, or focus on graphic design.
0: Well, thank you, Don, for being with us today. It was really an interesting conversation to learn about your journey because I certainly, as you said, lots of long and winding yes. roads. And I think that there are, it's not I think, I know, I know there are a lot of important lessons that any new L&D person or a person transitioning into the industry can can take away from your story and really use it as inspiration as they move forward. Thank you. you know, so Thank you so much for putting yourself out there and sharing, you know, some of your highs and lows in your professional career. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, Shannon, this has been a fantastic opportunity. Thank you so much for inviting me and I'm always happy to come back anytime you need me. I, I'm always happy to talk to anyone that's out there that uh, has questions about, about their journey, my journey, anything like that. I'm, I love collaborating. I love just chit-chatting about, about life and things like that. So,
0: Well, that's great. So why don't we tell them where they can find you?
1: Oh, that's fantastic. So my portfolio is available, uh, is on sciencetime.net. I can be, I can be found on LinkedIn, uh, Don Becker, or I think actually my, my LinkedIn is, is Donald Becker Jr., because why not? And I'm a sequel, so it's a junior. Yeah, my, <laughs> the, my LinkedIn is Donald Becker Jr. You're welcome to find me that way. I am the guy in the bow tie in my profile picture.
0: Nice, nice. So once again, thank you everyone for being with us today. And I look forward to seeing you at a Learning Rebels event soon. And do not forget also that Learning Rebels has a live community now for anyone who is newer to the industry or transitioning into the industry. Be sure to check out the Learning Rebels community where you can meet people like Dawn and participate in Learn Something New sessions for free and all sorts of wonderful types of opportunities to grow your skills and capabilities. So on that note, I look forward to seeing everybody soon. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. For more content like this, or to begin your own podcasting journey, head on over to obsidian-productions.com.